If you wake up in the morning with a boner, does that mean that your testosterone and hormones are in check? What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. Today's guest is men's health expert, Ali Gilbert. Yes, you heard it right. Men's health expert, Ali, a woman, Gilbert. On today's podcast, Ali and I dive into topics like if you wake up in the morning with a boner, does that mean you have the appropriate amount of testosterone running through your body? What are the valuable uses of testosterone? Is there such thing as toxic masculinity? Is it okay to tell a guy he's being a bitch? Those topics and many more about how she became who she is and how she helps the men who she works with. I know you're going to love this podcast. When you do, go give Allie a follow. Head to wherever you listen to this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Write us the review and share it with a friend so we can grow this show to become even more valuable to the guests who come on and to your friends who need to hear what we have to say. Let's get to the show. Allie Gilbert, welcome to the Actifier Podcast. I'm super pumped to be here. Thank you for having me. Seriously, I, I'm so glad that uh, we were connected. So That Andrew Coates, yeah. man. Andrew, man, that guy, like, I swear to God, I love him. (laughs) You know, when I was talking to Don, Don Saladino, who's also a mutual friend, one of the things that Don and I were discussing when we were talking about Gabrielle Lyon, so to third party it, um, Mm -hmm. is the most valuable person in the room is the one who can make the most connections for you and who who wants to. And so so, uh, since meeting Andrew, he is like insanely gracious with introductions without prompting. He's just like, I think you could bring value to this person's life. You guys should totally meet. It's great. Totally. Yeah. How did you yeah, meet I love Andrew? that. How it's like out of the blue, like you, you need to meet this person. I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and automatically I'm like, who can I introduce him to? Right. Because I know everybody. <laughs> right. It's, it, it leaves me in a position where I really enjoy asking myself, how do I bring value to this person's life? If it seems like they have everything that they could possibly need. They know all the people that I know. How can I do something of use for them? And I like being in that position because it's a fun challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ali, how, first of all, you have the hair that I tried to have like a year yeah. and a half ago. My barber. It is epic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. My, for people who are not watching the video on YouTube, um, I'm sure that they can just click over to your Instagram and see it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. couldn't, I, I couldn't make it work. It wasn't working for me. Uh, so the barber did something with it. But uh, how did you become a coach to men? And not just men, by the way. Like you're the coach to alpha men who I've seen in the world, and and I don't. I want to understand how that happens. How, how do you end up going from being Allie Gilbert to Allie Gilbert coach of alpha men who everybody wants to be more like? Uh, so my statement I always say is because I have daddy issues. And so I've used that <laughs> <laughs> to like drive the, the need to, um, approval from dudes. No, but, uh, that is the joke that I dropped, but mm-hmm. I honestly fell into it kind of by accident, but not, but not because I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, which as you know, is quite the wealthy town. 
has a ton of golf clubs, country clubs, stuff like that. Um, and I always preface it with like, I grew up normal, like before that explosive generation and everything. Cause when I went to college, people were like, oh my God, you're from Greenwich. You must be loaded. And I'm like, no, I don't know. Like I, I'm totally whatever. Um, right. anyway, so when I graduated Springfield college, uh, my degree was in exercise science and I wanted to train athletes just like everybody else with that degree, but you quickly find out athletes are broke. Uh, there's not a lot of money in strength and conditioning. And I was like, cool, I'll just work at the commercial gym in Greenwich. And that gym brought me a ton of guys that played golf. And I was like, this is a sport. And these guys seem really obsessed about it and they have a lot of money so they can afford to train. I'm going to learn about golf. I played soccer in college. I knew nothing about golf. I'm like, how hard can it be to hit a ball that doesn't move? Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I learned quite quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Very humbling, but basically dove in and learned through Titleist Performance Institute, everything golf fitness, which is actually how I met Don a couple years later because he was in golf fitness. Um, And so this is 2008. And I was like, this is going to be my niche, golf fitness. Awesome. And it brought me all these guys only as a clientele. And so I related quite well to them. I'm very like, I'm a tomboy. I love cars, sports, like all that stuff. So I was like, they're way easier to talk to. I could not deal like the housewife chit chat social. Like that's just so not me. Like, I don't know anything about purses like that. I'm not your girl, (laughs) whatever. If you want to talk about that, cool. I just did not relate the guys were way more exciting for me. So I was like, well, this is really fun. I enjoy this. And you start to talk about nutrition. You start to talk about supplements. You start to talk about hormones because it's something that guys don't socially talk about. They don't go to the doctor unless, you know, their dick's going to fall off and, you know, it's really an emergency. So I started learning about that and having these discussions. And my business coach at the time, Thomas Plummer, was like, you have something here just go with men's health stuff. Don't talk about women's health stuff ever. And I was like, okay. So I kind of just posted only about men's health, learned everything I could about testosterone, testosterone replacement. I started attending medical conferences. I even spoke at one, like went all in on this. And I was like, how do I help these guys get to the right type of physician who knows what they're doing and is not going to drag them along because it's hard enough to get a guy to go do his lab work or even go to a doctor and for them to even go to the doctor and be dismissed for their symptoms because they're too young or they look fit or whatever arbitrary reason then all all of a sudden they're defeated they just never want to approach that again so I decided I would be like the facilitator of the conversations regarding these types of things because guys would not openly admit, yeah, I'm struggling with erectile dysfunction and I'm very miserable. They just think they're depressed or they think that maybe, you know, it's something else and then they don't talk about it. So long story longer. Yeah, not short. Um, Here we are now, and I created my own men's health event for these guys to learn all the truth and everything about that. And we have an online remote coaching business after 18 years of coaching in person. We coach guys who want to understand how to be optimal, how to have these conversations, who do they go to? I've aligned myself with a telemedicine clinic, Merrick Health, 
and I do a lot of speaking about the men's health crisis and epidemic and basically disclose any of or not disclose I'm sorry but like refute any of the myths and misconceptions surrounding uh, testosterone and stuff well I appreciate that and when you landed on my schedule I had two people ask me is this a, like is this a joke like did you make a joke here the boner queen is coming on the podcast are we doing like an only fans show what's going on with that i was like no it's ali gilbert she's a men's health expert and she's gonna come on and talk to us about men's health and they're like oh, okay so you didn't you didn't write that though right like she's not gonna be upset that you wrote the boner queen i'm like no she wrote that it's good she wrote the boner queen yeah i wrote that that's yeah. me so so <laughs> Okay, so so how did you start getting guys to open up to you? Like, you know, yeah. and, and, and by the way, for those of you interested, the event's called the Silverback Summit. You can find all the information you're looking for about it on Ali's website or on Ali's uh, Instagram, I should say. How, yeah. how, how did you get guys to be like, I don't want to tell my guy friends that I have erectile dysfunction. I don't want to tell my guy friends I can't satisfy my wife. I don't want to tell my guy friends I feel like I'm getting weak and flabby I don't want to tell my guy friends I feel insecure and depressed all of a sudden, but I'll tell you. <laughs> it's weird, right? And um, I want to say I've always been uh, quite uh, empathetic in a way. I don't know if that's the right term, but people tell me I'm easy to talk to because I, I found that people would share things with me that are like really private and sensitive over the course of my years training people and i'm very much like a vault where like if you tell me something private that you do not want shared i will not share it unless it's obviously life-threatening to somebody else or whatever but um because i've had to be the person in the middle between uh two very close friends of mine but maybe they don't get along and so obviously i don't dish either way and stuff like that so i think that there was a instant trust developed due to the questions that i would ask them when i first met them and i guess my demeanor i i, I can't say what it is about me that makes me seem trustworthy i'm just going by what people mm -hmm. tell me but i genuinely do care about helping people who feel very lost and uh want to understand why they maybe don't feel their best and it wasn't like i would sit down with these guys and be like so how's your boner you know is mm -hmm. it you doing well we got morning wood what's going on um now it is because they know what they're getting mm -hmm. into but like when you work with golfers who tend to be you know very like straight Proper. edge and stuff yeah yeah they're, they're not like talking about that stuff so it it got we got there due to health because they would front with i want to hit the ball farther right and then you peel the layers back and it's like well you know i kind of want to like tone up and you know have some visible abs and uh that goes down to i don't feel so good okay what supplements are you taking you know and then there'd be like some stupid testosterone booster thrown in the mix and i'm like well why, why do you why are you taking that do you have any sexual performance issues and i would just come out and ask and I think the fact that I'm very direct and that I just ask was appealing to them because it wasn't this weird, like, conservative medical dance right. where, you know, you're alluding to it, but no one's saying it. So I just kind of come out and ask and, and they're like, oh, well, yeah, and they would admit to it, but they just didn't know what to do about it. So because I'm not a doctor, 
and I'm not somebody in their life pushing them to go to one. I was just someone making the fact that, or recognizing this is a problem, this is common, but it's not normal at any age, made them feel instantly comfortable. Because there are guys who are in their 30s, in their 20s, who maybe have sexual performance issues, but they're like, oh my God, this is not happening to someone my age. So I'm not gonna talk about it because it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's how I was able to kind of diffuse the awkward nature of it and have those discussions. And then it progressed into, they're very open, you know, in, in DMs like, hey, you know, I have premature ejaculation. I don't know why. Or I have delayed ejaculation, which can be equally as bad for people. And or I'll lose my erection like mid sex, stuff like that. You know, some of these things I'm qualified to help with some not. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not qualified, I know somebody who is who I can ask or who I can direct them to. So they don't have to go asking 15 different people about their erection issues, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. What do you what do you love about that? In other words, you you have guys coming to you, being vulnerable so that they can get the help that they need. What about that lights you up? I like that question. You asked really good questions. Thank you. Um, Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I made a joke about it, but like circling back to daddy issues, um, my friend, Dr. Jade Tita, who is like, he's amazing. I've known him forever. He he very much talks about women's health and hormones. And so we joke that he's like the female expert as a guy and I'm the man expert as a woman. And he had mommy issues and he's been very open about this. And we've done podcasts on it where he's like, you know, a lot of people use their pain as their purpose. And that's what he did with helping women. And I think I had a very compromised relationship with my dad. My parents split when I was two. He moved to Florida when I was 13. So I, you know, didn't really see him. He's bipolar and, and all of that stuff. So I think. I, I wanted to help guys not end up like him, where he didn't have the proper help to get him to be a good father. Um, you know, divorce is not easy when you have children. And I think having a strong father figure role, whether you're a woman or a man, is crucial. And I wanted guys to be able to feel that they could fulfill that role, if not the role as their optimal self or their best self without any barriers and those barriers could be self-limiting barriers because they didn't know where to ask or who to ask or what and that's where i get um the fulfillment from that because i want those guys to feel that they have every right to function optimally as a man and to show up in that way especially nowadays with this whole like suppression of masculinity and like you know making guys feel lost and confused as to their role um because I think a lot of it is media generated because I've asked other women, like, do you like chivalry or are we against that? Or, and everyone likes that. Like we want a man to take charge. We want a man to be decisive. You know, a lot of that though is being depicted as that's wrong or looking jacked is wrong or, you know, having muscles is toxic and stuff like that. And I've asked my male colleagues and friends, do you guys feel weird asking women or complimenting women? And they're like, yeah. Like if you were, you know, you're like, Ali, I love your purple shirt. I could easily be like, you're such a creep. 
You know, whereas like if I'm like, Sean, I would, I'd be so yo. fucked if I was dating right now. So fucked. Right? Because it's I, like it's I would, crazy. so if someone said you're a creep, I'd be like, you're a lunatic. And I, I would, I would, I don't know if you know who Chris Williamson is. Are you familiar with Chris Williamson? He, he runs the Modern Wisdom podcast. He's, he's a friend. And he had a post one time that talked about how basically, essentially what he was saying was most women want to be approached. Most men are afraid to approach. And so yes. the men who approach have a higher likelihood of landing a partner, even if it's somebody who would perceptively be out of their league because people simply are not approaching. And when yeah. I saw that, I was like, man, I'm really happily married. Our sex is really good. I'm not looking elsewhere, but it would be fun to try again. Like I, I would just approach everybody. That that was my <laughs> that was my technique in college. It was like, you look nice. No, not interested. How about how about you? Like I didn't care. And and honestly, that's attractive because it shows confidence. Like the confident men are, are super attractive. Like literally. I was at an event this weekend that I spoke at and I shook a lot of hands. And if I get that limp oh, fish hand, like, yeah. dude, immediately, I'm like, you can be so hot, like the hottest person in the room. And immediately there's just like the done, Sahara like, desert. Awful. It's awful. The Sahara desert. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, and by the way, the other way I think is too much also. Like if you're going in to hurt somebody's hand to show them how big and strong you are, I just think that you're insecure inside. That's that's where my brain goes at least. So happy totally. medium, happy medium, guys. And 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 yeah, look, I brought my wife out to, to an event I was speaking at in April. And I, I'd be lying if part of the impetus wasn't me being like, she's going to be so turned on by this. Seeing me on stage talking to a room of, almost 800 people and part of the talk is about her vulnerably without being a victim she's gonna like it's she, you know she's gonna be she's gonna be into that and she was um so it's i'm curious about when you talk about this being the thing that lights you up how do you manage the the the, the slope of like hey dude she does want you to open the door. She does want you to go in first to create safety, hold the door, let her walk in next, and then you go over to the, the host to say, we're looking for a table for two. And it's not that she can't do it. It's that she likes that you're taking control so that she doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. How do you go between that and becoming a psychologist for somebody who has genuine... Um, I don't want to call them issues, but I don't have a better word. So genuine problems with themselves and their ability to express it with other people. So it's, it's, it's funny because like, I think a couple of weeks ago, it was a couple of weeks ago, a guy asked me on a console if I uh, do life coaching as right. well. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I think by default, there is part of that. Um, However, I said it depends on what the context is. And, and he said marital problems because I had mentioned how breeding confidence through aesthetics and functioning optimally bleeds into other areas of your life. And I said, 
I'm not a qualified marriage and family therapist, but I can provide the female perspective on some things if that's useful until it gets to the point where I think you might need someone professionally to be involved. Um, Cause I, we like to spend our time focusing on, you know, the nutrition, the training and all that stuff. So there are guys like, especially my younger guys, I'll give them dating advice and stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, like you, like, you know, I'm so intrigued about this, but also so happy I'm not in this, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, but it, it's not something I have to deal with a ton. A lot of the guys that we do yet are married. And if they are dating, then I give them kind of like a gut check if they complain about things that I think are a little bit soft during training or nutrition. Where, Tell, look, like, can, can we go there? Can we go there for a second? Because this is, you're speaking now to the thing that I believe society and modern culture is just absolutely blowing, which is, if a guy's being soft about something, a guy's being soft about something. We don't just, I believe it's a mistake to simply say that's what he's feeling. Let's respect his emotion and validate it because I think that it does that person more harm in the long term than it does to experience the discomfort in the moment of, hey, uh, where do you think that comes from and why do you think you're so afraid of that? So I, I like, I'm curious. I want to ask you seven questions at a time, but for, for, for one question here. Yeah. How do you call a guy out for being soft and simultaneously allow him to preserve his masculinity? So he's not hearing you're a bitch from a chick. Um, very good question because some of them like to be talked to like that. Yeah. Uh, not like in a, in a, you know, BDSM way, but some of them need that. Some of them are at such a high executive level that they're used to being yes all day yeah. and they need to be put in their place type of thing. And then some guys, it, it, it's, I have to learn their personality to learn how far I can push it. So some of them I can joke with and be like, okay, your weight for the entire set, for all five sets was the same and your top set is what I warm up with. What the fuck? <laughs> And I can poke at them about that, right? Uh -huh. Some guys would get offended by that. So I have to word it in a way where it's like, do you feel that all those, all five sets were challenging at that weight? Or do you think that we can maybe up the intensity? Because it, as it's, as a whole, online coaching is difficult when, when it comes to teaching intensity and, and working hard and, you know, to the effect of softness. Like I have never seen so many recovery modalities explode on the market while training intensity has gone down. Mm -hmm. So it's like they've done this, right? So the whole culture of training and going to the gym and being around like your boys and everyone doing flat bench because you have all fucked up shoulders and that's it. And that's all you're going to do, which every man does. Mm -hmm. those days we are help different. those guys. We help those guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And now it's, it's the same thing, but everyone has their own headphones. They're talking to each other and then they have got nine pre-workout drinks, a tripod, all this other stuff. Like it, it's just a completely different culture. And because of the explosion in high intensity training and all of that, nobody has gone through like traditional weight training where they know how to go to failure. They know what all this means. Mm -hmm. So I, I know I'm going on a sa no, side it's good. tangent. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, so this is, has created like a 
false sense of what training hard is. And so then they resort to looking elsewhere to facilitate their gains. But it's really because they don't know how to train. And, you know, if you tell someone leave a few reps in the tank, like most people don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stop when it gets hard or if it burns. So mm-hmm. it's it's poking at them at that, but for the betterment of you know, their training, because they could probably have their nutrition dialed in. A lot of our guys do the lifestyle stuff, the sleep and all that. And I'm like, you are leaving something on the table. Your reps look the same from rep one to eight. There's no slowing down. We need to change that. Most of these guys, I would say 99%, like they really, really appreciate the directness because a lot of people are afraid to be direct. And it's something I've had to get better at because I also, at the same time that I'm told I'm direct, I don't like upsetting people (laughs) and I don't like being the reason someone's upset. Mm -hmm. So it's this delicate balance, but you're paying me to coach you and tell you what you need to hear, not tell you what you want to hear, even though that can be part of it. So we can still be supportive and encouraging, but also like, I want you to actually excel. So I will call you out for that. Um, the other side of the non-training part of it, the most, the most, I, yeah, it, the, the most conversations surrounding that part are when they have to ask their wife permission. And that can be contextual because if it's a big financial decision, like if you're buying a car or something like that, like I totally get it. When it comes to testosterone replacement, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And, and I need to understand, and I ask them this, I say, why do you have to ask her permission? You are basically asking her permission to function optimally as a man. Now, she may not understand and think that there's risks and all of that, and I offer to talk with her, but it it bothers me that guys don't feel comfortable enough to manage their own destiny through a medication that is literally one of the safest things. Well, I think what you're describing there is an opportunity for men to be able to learn how to better communicate. Because I can see I can see how if I were going on testosterone replacement, if I decided this is what I need to do, I might say, hey, before we do this, I would really like for you to explain to my wife what it entails because she has mm-hmm. questions I don't know how to answer, and I want her to be comfortable with me doing this. I'm not asking her permission. I'm doing this. But I want her to be aligned with it. It's not a, hey, babe, I'm doing this, and go fuck yourself if you don't like it. It's not that, right? Right. But I think that there's, I wonder if there's guys who are in that boat of like, I don't know how to ask Allie this question for this purpose, or if it genuinely is like, I need her to say yes before I'm allowed. that's why I offer talk to both. I think it's great. Uh, do you ever recommend that guys go learn how to fight? All the time. I, I want to hear about that because I've talked to guys in the past who, you know, one of the things that a lot of the clients at Active Life end up on my desk for is they need help with leadership or they need help with uh, holding space or they need help with sales. And I believe all three of those are effectively the same thing, right? You're, you're selling ideas all day. It's just, you have an issue with money. Let's talk about that. But, um, I've told several guys to go learn how to fight. And they're like, Oh, I I do jujitsu already. I'm like, that's great. 
go get punched in the face then. You know, it's, I feel like, and the reason for that is, it's interesting, the guys who've done jujitsu in the past who I've had that conversation with, they're highly analytic dudes. And so they love jujitsu because of the puzzle of it. They're happy to take what comes and then create their own from it. Where I want them to go learn how to impose themselves. Not so that they would impose themselves on somebody in a sales meeting or a leadership meeting, but to have the confidence that they have that in them. So how does that come up for you when you're talking to a guy about it? So one of my silverback speakers, Dave Lee, is basically like, like we, he and I joke that he's like everyone's dad and I'm everyone's mom because he's very paternal. Even though he's only 30 years old, he comes across as like this plethora of wisdom. You'd probably love him as a guest because he started out majoring in neuropsychiatry and then hated the direction it was going. And now he consults with men in men's health. And he tells guys all the time, like, you need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to defend yourself and, and just take ownership. So I adopted that and and was teaching a lot of my guys the same thing. Jiu-Jitsu is very hot right now, and I think that's why a lot of guys are attracted to it, but it also provides a community aspect. You know, they have a culture as well. Um, So I I tell them, like, you played sports, and maybe they don't play anything except maybe they play golf or whatever, but, like, there's nothing recreational in their lives anymore. They're very isolated, and – they need that outlet, but also it's like more of a, dare I say, aggressive or alpha um, driven activity. Mm-hmm. So I just tell them. And a lot of guys have signed up. I do have competitive guys who are clients as well. And that's been fun for me because I've considered doing it too, just to better understand the sport. Um, so we do talk about that a lot. And also like my CEOs where they feel isolated because they have masterminds and stuff. And that's the only time that they mm-hmm. get to talk to people where they feel they're understood. Yep. And it's like, when's the last time you had to relearn something or you became really uncomfortable because you had to put yourself in a situation where you're like fighting for your life, but you know, I'm, I'm, have to get out. When, when you're working with executives, I'm curious about this because I I also, I like people who will just tell me like, hey, Sean, you're being a bitch right now. I like that. I like when people will call me out on things. And like when I was, I'll always remember a an experience in baseball when I was playing growing up, you know, high school age. I had a coach who understood me and I was throwing pitches around the plate. Like I wasn't challenging the hitter because he was a division one, you know, a future division one guy who ended up being drafted in the first three rounds of the, like, I just, I looked at this guy and like, he could be my dad. Right. Like that Mm -hmm. guy, that guy's got kids my size. So the coach saw me doing that. He comes out to the mound and he says to me, Hey, Sean, I said, yeah. He goes, you know what I'd like you to do? I said, what? He said, throw a fastball right down the fucking middle and find out who the better man is. And I was like, okay. I can do that. And that yeah. was it. That, that, that's what I needed. You know what I mean? That's, that's the stuff I responded to. Um, I don't remember where I was going with all of this. Oh, oh well, I, 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 do, I do know where I was going with it. Um, when you talk to people about this kind of stuff, how do you express to them the value of it? By asking them again what is it they feel they need? Mm -hmm. What are they missing? 
because then that gives you the insight to that. So similar to you, I like being called out and like directly, like my coach Luke knows to talk to me like that. You know, he, like he told me the other week, I was really under eating, like half oblivious, half on purpose. And it just was driving me through the ground. And he's like, listen, fucker, I need you to do what the fuck I say. Like, you know, like, I'm like, uh-huh. all right, got it. You know, I think if you're an athlete or you have a history of playing sports, like that's how you need to be coached. So if they were a previous athlete or they're competitive, they want that challenge. And they, they also like men thrive on competition. So then I could also point out that anybody that they've said that they want to emulate, look like, or whatever, this is what this person's doing. Mm-hmm. Do you ever coach these guys on communication or do you have people you collaborate with to coach them on communication? And the, the reason I ask, give it a second. The, the reason why I ask about that is I imagine some of the executives that you work with want to be spoken to that way, want to be checked hard because they get yes all the time. And you said that. And the reason why they get yes all the time, I imagine in some cases is because people don't know that they genuinely want to hear no. They genuinely want to be checked at their work and they don't know how to create an environment in which they both hold the strong position and the open one at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I don't often coach them in communication because I think because I, I don't want to seem like not a know-it-all, but like that I'm broaching a topic that maybe they, they're not going to appreciate mm-hmm. and be offended by and think that I'm, I think that they're a poor communicator. I, I will say if they ask or if they not directly ask, if they like kind of around the, around the way ask. Um, and I'm thinking of an example where like if they're complaining about something and then I ask them, well, did you ask for clarification? Did you ask directly? Mm-hmm. Cause I think direct communication is something people shy away from. Cause I'm like, the worst thing that can happen is no. And partially too, I can feel like a, a hypocrite because there's times I shy away from asking directly cause I don't want to offend anyone and be upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will encourage them to seek the answer and not just assume stuff and then do something different based on their assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to, you know, communication and other aspects, I, I don't really talk about it a ton. So, it, and I guess maybe that's bad for me. You yeah. know, I should more often, but sometimes they ask, sometimes they don't. But I, I guess think- I also assume they should they would want to know or ask me. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on whether you should do it or not. And I'm not suggesting that you should. I think if I were um, anybody who I work with, so, so one of the things that we do at Active Life that I like to, I'm proud of, is we focus on delivering unexpected value. The value that people come for We can do that in our sleep, helping coaches generate the income that they want, get the fulfillment from working with the clients that they want, help people get out of pain without going to the doctor, missing the gym from anywhere in the world. We can do that in our sleep. If we help people with that and they get what they came for, we underserved them. You follow me? So that, but the, the thing we need to be careful of is I don't want to become a marriage counselor for somebody. 
right? So someone comes in and they're like, I'm just stressed out today. I had a fight with my wife. We're not turning that entire meeting into what was that fight about? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we will do is ask things like, does she know how you really feel or how you're really thinking? Or does she know how you were comfortable sharing with her what you really feel or are really thinking right now? Uh, I think it's probably the latter. Okay, so do you know what you need to do then? Yeah, I need to figure out how to tell her what I'm really thinking, what I really feel. Great. Okay, talk to me about work. And we're able to do that little bit there, but I think that they know that that's coming and so they stay ready for it. I don't know why I share that with you. Uh, <laughs> no, but honestly, like the more I think about it, I think I did a lot more of that when I trained people in person because mm-hmm. you're with them three, four hours a week. Right. Was that at no. Equinox, by the way? Were you were you Equinox Greenwich? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I had a lot of friends that worked there, though. Um, no, uh, it started at World Gym, which became the Fitness mm. Edge, and then I graduated and worked for like a private company that did physical therapy and training, okay. and in-home training and all that, and then that morphed into working for myself, and then kind of paying rent, and then. Um, I ran a gym that was on the Portchester Greenwich line that ended up uh, going under within a, two years because they didn't pay taxes. Hmm. So. That's always troublesome. <laughs> really weird, like when your paychecks bounce and you're like, cool. Yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, so uh, which thread do I want to pull on? All right, I'll pull on this one. What's that? Of course, of course. It's just which one, which in, in what order. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I feel like my North Star for my men's, for my personal men's health, like my, hey, is everything working? Is if I wake up with a raging boner, we're good. Like the, the number one reason that I don't let my daughters come sleep in our bed besides the fact that um, that runs into my wife and I being roommates instead of lovers. Yeah and all of that is I'm like, if you end up sleeping on the front side of my body, you could get poked in the butt and not by a finger. And that's like the worst nightmare a dad could have. And the worst nightmare a daughter could have. You want to talk about creating daddy issues when the relationship is really good. That's how you do it. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) So, so, is that a good North Star for my health? Am I, like, if I wake up with a boner every day, am I like, all right, we're we're yeah. probably working here? Yeah, I mean, like, women have it monthly. Guys get it usually every day now. But I will say, a lot of guys associate if their dick works, their testosterone must be fine, which is not always the case. Because you could have testosterone that's really low and still wake up with morning wood every day. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's interchangeable in that sense. But... Uh, yeah, that's usually a good indicator, but I always will say too, like there are guys who are like, I've never gotten morning wood really, because you do get a bunch of different erections throughout the night. So it may just not happen when you wake up, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, if you have them and then all of a sudden you lose them, then that could be indicative of something's wrong. Okay. So we're good for now, at least we're, good. we're well, what you're saying is it's it's a North Star, but it's not the North Star. It might be Northwest. Um, so, so on- yeah, depending on which, which depending on which way the headboard is. Um, okay, so I've gotten my a full blood panel done, and 
you know, I, I was working with Gabrielle at the time, Gabrielle Line, and she said, she's like, look, you don't, she's like, are you looking to have more kids? And I said, no. She's like, okay. She's like, even if you were, we wouldn't need to put you on anything, but if you wanted like a surefire, this is going to happen, we, we could experiment with some low-dose testosterone. So okay. I wasn't in need. I wasn't looking for it at the time, and it wasn't something that we, we went in the direction of. <clears throat> when, when thinking about testosterone, is it a once you start taking it, you are taking it forever? Or it, are, there, are there ways for me to be like, I just want to get a little bit jacked, feel <laughs> a little bit younger, and then come off and see if I can maintain that? How, how does that work? So the difference between those two statements is if you take it for a little bit of time and come off, that is known as a cycle. So testosterone replacement therapy is not to be cycled. So yes, it is a lifelong commitment. And that is actually one of the bigger things that a lot of our guys struggle with uh, conceptually because men don't want to rely on something the rest of their life, which I totally get. Like at first I was like, of all the things, why is this the thing that bothers dudes the most? And then you, know, you, you realize by learning how men operate, like being reliant on something is not really their jam. So I was like, cool, um, I get that. But I tell them, okay, you can come, you can go on and you can come off. Nothing bad is gonna happen aside from the fact that you just might not feel that great. And your natural testosterone production is not going to ramp up 10 years from now. So if you go on for six months or a year, you're six months to a year older. So you're likely to have even lower levels than when you started. And when you come off initially, your your test levels will crash. It's not a good time. You're not gonna feel great. I've not had any clients who have gone on testosterone and been like, you know what, this is not for me. I'm gonna come off. Mm. So it's- I follow. It's more. Yeah. It's more the decision to jump than the experience of falling that guys are afraid of. So, uh, why should men do it, or people, frankly, for that matter, do it if their numbers are not coming up where their test and their free test and their sex binding are low to the point of being below normal or below acceptable normal? Why should they do it anyway? And I'm not saying you're making a case that all guys should take tests. I'm saying if there was a reason why a guy would, what is it? Well, I actually, like, I'm very pro-testosterone replacement where I do make the statement. I make a slide in a lot of my talks. I quote myself. Maybe that's stupid. But I quote myself saying, I feel it is inevitable that every guy will end up on TRT and should. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because low testosterone is a, is a devastating thing for men's health overall because it is associated with a lot of um, uh, all-cause mortality. So a lot of the myths and misconceptions surrounding it is that it causes things like heart attacks and uh, strokes and stuff like that, but it actually, you're putting yourself at more of a risk if you have very low testosterone. So getting your lab work done just because you're within a range does not necessarily mean you're, you're someone who's not a candidate. Understanding this range is crucial because a lot of guys are like, well, I was told I was normal. And I'm like, cool, I don't trust anything mm -hmm. from a physician I don't know. And the range for men's testosterone has changed to satisfy the lower and lower levels. Of course, let's lower the bar. Lower the bar. Yeah. Why not? Man, Make it lower, easy. Lower the bar. Listen, don't worry about it. It's okay if you're... <laughs> It, it, yeah, and it's like infuriating because like 
the lowest I saw was in the hundreds, like 180 to like eight something, where it used to be 350 to like 1100. And so now if you're 350, you're, you're fine. No right. problem. You're mid nor you're mid, you're yeah. low mid. Yeah. You're 26. No problem. So like that's where the numbers are trash and it doesn't really tell the story. So labs are needed to see, okay, where are you now? Like what else is going on? But the symptoms will really drive the need for it and the physiology and your state of health. So if you're somebody who's extremely overweight, you're very inflamed, you do not do anything to make that better. Testosterone will maybe help from a motivational aspect, but it's not a panacea to all those issues. You still have to get healthy and address your sleep, nutrition, exercise, all that stuff even if you do go on. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it can be the driving force to get somebody off the couch, to give them that motivation because most guys, like I said, they associate sexual dysfunction with testosterone and then that's it. Mm -hmm. When in fact, like the most glaring symptom is massive brain fog, very low motivation for anything, like drive for life, job, the gym, stuff like that. Depression, like those types of symptoms very much the same as low T, um, you know, not not able to put on any muscle, losing muscle, body fat storage in places that like they're not used to. Those are all, you know, huge symptoms that they don't really think of. They just think, oh, I'm maybe depressed. Mm -hmm. And then they get handed an SSRI or something else. So I think a lot of guys should explore TRT with a competent uh, practice because it can really be life-changing the guys that i've seen come into our coaching who do have work to do like getting healthier getting to a lower body fat getting less inflamed then they go on testosterone it's a game changer like it is so cool to sit back and watch because their confidence goes through the roof like how they carry themselves their demeanor the way they talk to me like i've sat back and been like bro do you hear yourself right yeah. now? Like it's dramatic and they probably don't notice it, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is awesome. You know? So just that alone. And the fact that you put yourself at less of a risk for a cardiovascular event or any type of, of uh, detriment to your health is a huge win in my book for that. So you're not looking at blood work in a vacuum and you're not looking at symptoms in a vacuum. You're looking at blood work, symptoms, goals, all of these things, creating kind of a mosaic, and then making a decision about whether you should go on and what dosage we should be at and how we're going to use it and all of that kind of stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I've told my dad several times, and here's the thing. I know anybody listening to this has had this experience, and, and, and if you say you haven't, go fuck yourself, you're full of shit. Um, <laughs> I do something or I say something, or I see myself in something, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm becoming my dad. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and good, like he's a good looking guy, he's smart, he's still with it, like all, all of that stuff is there. But I'm like, you probably should be on testosterone. Because I just, he's, he's more tired, you know. Um, he exercises, but the intensity, he'd, he'd rather not push the intensity. Mm -hmm. And and I know that some of that is just because he hasn't for a long time. And some of that is just because when the energy isn't there to start, 
it's difficult to decide to go hard. And what you were describing with the motivation is, I believe if I'm not mistaken, and you can tell me, no, that's completely wrong, uh, never talk about this again, just ask experts, is the motivation that comes from taking testosterone is the energy boost that allows a man or a woman to think, I could do this if I decided to. Whereas before, if you're sitting on a couch and you're like, holy shit, I'm exhausted, I'm mentally shot, how am I going to get up and do a hard workout for an hour right now? It doesn't mm -hmm. start. Is that is that where the motivation is coming from? Yeah, it it, it really, <laughs> it's the winning hormone, right? So it's responsible right. for, for a lot of that drive and the motivation factor is huge. Like I'm one of the few the fit, few fitness professionals who don't mind the use of things like semaglutide or ozempic and stuff like that. Because I understand that like, listen, how many years have we been telling the public that you have to eat right, exercise, all that stuff? Like no one's listening, no one cares. They want the quick fix. They want what the shortcut is, cool. Let them have it or let them have what they think is the shortcut. They will soon realize that number one, they need to address everything else that we've been talking about for years. But if semaglutide or whatever gets somebody to drop some weight and that gives them the courage and the the motivation to go in a gym, I think it's a win. Like, you know, telling people not to do what they want to do doesn't really work historically, mm -hmm. you know? So we can provide the education as to why something could be a bad thing, but also I think it's useful for, and this can maybe come with maturity, but understand the other side of it. Like, why could this be a benefit for our clients? Just like crash dieting, people are gonna crash diet. Guess what? There's a way that you could safely crash diet. Well, I Am think I going to skew this over social media every day? No, but if someone really needs or wants to crash diet, all right, I will help you because there's ways to mitigate very bad health things and do it right way this just in ali gilbert promotes osembic semaglutide and crash dieting don't work with her no i, I hear what you're saying i I, th I think that there's an, an asterisk on all of that and it's the word could and i think that there's a, a very clear line for the person who will have the success as compared to the person who won't most of the time and that's who's administering it who's around them what is their understood stated intent of use if i think that a lot of people the the blanket statements about that kind of stuff, I think, often come from the the preconceived thought process that this person's just going to do this instead of, right, and and forever. Well, that doesn't work. So you can't let that person start because then they get the results and they think all these things. I think that there's a happy marriage between the education around why are you doing this for how long? How will you know when you no longer need it? What are you going to do when you stop? And who's around you to put you in check on that kind of stuff that makes it an appropriate way to gain some motivation if that's what your human nature is telling you to do. Yeah. Like it, it also helps position you as someone who's real. Like people appreciate the fact that I always talk about how I slam energy drinks every day. I'll have upwards of like six to 700 milligrams of caffeine. I'll pop an Adderall and they're like, you're so relatable. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not something I would recommend as a protocol, but right. like the fact that I'm not like, you know, holier than thou and I'm like, oh, I avoid caffeine and energy drinks. Like if you can go without caffeine, awesome, more power to you. Like, you know, 
I love energy drinks. Stimulants are part of like my life. You know what? People are going to drink energy drinks. Cool. And if you drink the ones with sugar, consider going sugar free. Like if people are going to do it anyway, then let's find a way that we can work with it, manage it. And then overall they'll learn more efficient ways. Mm -hmm. Could I go to the grocery store? Yeah. Would I rather use Instacart? Yeah. Yeah. You know, quicker it's more convenient so mm -hmm. there's things in life that are quicker they're more convenient if someone's able to shave off 10 pounds because they realize this squashed my appetite oh eating less actually works cool now they feel more confident and now they're going to actually step foot in a gym uh, where where does that hurt somebody and like you said someone who's managing it and facilitating it and if you have like someone like myself in your corner as a coach who understands the purpose behind why we're using this awesome Telling somebody that's a quick fix, you're a bad person for using that, you just won't put the discipline and the time into dieting mm -hmm. and training, that's not getting us anywhere. No. You know, it it's 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 the it's the hard virtue signal as as compared to the soft virtue signal, which is like, he's expressing his emotions. Let him tell you that. It's like, yeah, he can tell me that. And then we're gonna explore why he feels that way because it's fucking soft. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's, that's, that's the soft one that we have to combat. And then the hard one is the, if you can't do this shit, you don't care enough. It's like, well, that's not true either. Uh, and so, sure. so that brings me to my next question for you, which is part of your responsibility is gauging the masculine energy of the guys you're talking to, right? Like there's a level of masculine energy where you're like, I love it might be a little bit much for people. How do you tone that back a bit and still be you? And there, there are people who I'm curious, first and foremost, is, is that something that you have to pay attention to? My own personal masculine energy? No, the, the clients you work with. Oh, huh. no. Okay. <laughs> no. So here, here's why I asked. There's some people on Instagram who are really hot right now. They got a ton of content coming out and I see their stuff and I'm not going to name them. I see their stuff and I'm like, holy shit, you are either a liar or you are impossible to be around. Or both. But but the, the, the persona that you're putting out, that your marriage is great, that your kids love you, that you make a ton of money, that your employees love working for you, that's bullshit. And it, it, it's it's... It's almost like society has gone to this, the softening of the man. And so now these hero figures pop up that are almost like comic book characters on Instagram. And they purport that to be their real life. And I imagine some of the guys who come to you have, I should be more like this person in mind before they uh, start. Yes. Um, that comes in the form of like, maybe I need to develop a morning routine type of thing and all of that. And I'm like, or cold plunge and blah, blah, blah. And I, so like, I get asked about cold plunge, right? And I'm like, all right, why are you asking me about that? I ask like, why are you considering it? Whatever reason they see it, this person, this influencer does it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, if you feel it's, it's cool or it's something you want to do because it is hard i mean i don't think anyone wants to step in that tub i have clients who have one they do it every morning and it helps them set the tone for the day in terms of doing hard things in the morning well i would i would i would argue that person try try and take two weeks off that's the hard, <laughs> that's the hard thing now 
But go, yeah, go, go on. It is. It is. But like something like that, like if you want to use it for that, cool. Um, but it's not a magic like recovery tool or anything. But again, it, it, I, I'm not going to like bash anything, but I'm more put, putting it into context of like, why are we going there? Do you have XYZ dialed in where we've been trying to do whatever that's going to help you in the same way a $6,000 pool of water, cold water will? Mm -hmm. I have nothing against doing a cold plunge. I obviously have never done it because I'm just too much of a pussy. Like, I just well, don't want it. You know, funny you say that. I actually, I can say it now. I couldn't say this on my own, but I can say it now because you welcomed it. I heard someone talk about why having balls is soft and having a pussy is strong. Like, if you just graze balls, a guy goes down, but you can pound a pussy and it just takes yes. it. <laughs> I think that Betty White said that too. Was it her? Okay. Yeah. So, but balls shrink too when you go in the cold punch, and balls can shrink when you go on TRT. Sure. Well, well, so yeah. so so that what you're describing is one way. That's that's I think about it that is like the the biohacker way. What I'm right. more describing are these juiced up, for lack of a better way to describe it, guys who are like, I work 18 hours a day because I fucking love it. I see my wife for 30 minutes a night. It's all she needs, babe. How you doing? I was at work hunting for the family. I wake my kids up and tell them daddy's home. Tell them a little story about work and put them back to bed. And then tomorrow I wake up and I do it again because I'm a fucking man. That I see that stuff on Instagram. I'm like, Jesus Christ, bro. Do you believe yourself? And I imagine people come to you with the thought process of like, I don't even know if I need to go that far. But that dude's definitely more, quote, man than I am. And I feel like I look at myself in the mirror. He's jacked. I'm not jacked. He feels like he can conquer the world. I don't feel like I can conquer the world. Give me that. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Mm. You don't get that. It's just my projection. Maybe, maybe like a, a step below that. I, I get like guys who will name podcasters and stuff that maybe they're more like of an authority or mm -hmm. they want to emulate that okay. or from a financial perspective. Um, I've, I've fine. talked. What? I appreciate that you're trying to find a way to make it seem like I'm somewhat right in this in this assumption. It's okay for me just to be wrong. That doesn't happen. Oh no, you're right. You're definitely right. I just personally don't get those type of clientele, but I know who you're talking about, and I think it's because that they don't have like mm -hmm. a, a strong masculine role yes. model, so they seek that mm -hmm. through the internet, which I think is fine. It, it's more who emulates the type of alpha male that that is not a offensive alpha male right. and i think one of the best examples is andrew tate i don't mind him at all a lot of my female friends hate him and mm -hmm. i i say to them have you actually ever listened to something he has said in its entirety versus what they take out of context because he's actually really brilliant at what he talks mm -hmm. about and i appreciate what he talks about because of the relationships with men and women and, and actually guys doing what they need to do in society. But you take anything out of context from somebody and of course it's gonna be misinterpreted and twisted. Um, so even that, like younger guys listening to Andrew Tate, I don't think that's a bad thing. And if you listen to things he talks about for three hours and not three seconds. Right, I think the a guy like him is so interesting to me because I do think he says a lot of really smart things. 
And it's the actions that he claims to have taken in the past about like putting women in his, getting women into his house, having them fall in love with him, and then be like, hey, let's set up a camera, and then be like, hey, let's sell this. That coerciveness is the part that I think makes him uh, repugnant to a lot of people, and I get that. That's, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not looking for that in Friends. But um, your event, for example, right? Your event is called the Silverback Summit. Yes. For people who are unaware, which I think is probably few and far between who either are totally oblivious or know nothing about it, right? Is the silverback is the gorilla who runs the family. So you're talking about an animal that stands up and bangs its chest and basically says, are you fucking kidding me? Get out of here. That's what it's doing, right? It's like, I will tear your arms off and kill you with them. That's what a silverback is. And it protects its family at all costs. Anybody else who tries to invade the territory, it's, it's the alpha silverback who's going down there to take care of business. That's what I think every guy wants to think of himself as. And some guys, I think, think of themselves as that by being soft and by allowing whatever. It's like, oh, no, I have the vulnerability and the confidence to allow for whatever, dude fine. And then some guys think like, I have to dictate all of the stuff. How does your event, the Silverback Summit, help guys see a path there? Because your speakers are not a bunch of people talking about hormones. You have the Silverback Alpha of their relative groups up on stage talking about that, I imagine. Yeah. So actually, like the reason the silverback is my logo is because I felt that the eggplant emoji was a poor representation of mental <laughs> health and that the silverback gorilla was way cooler. Okay. <laughs> Literally how that came about. I use that as like an intro in, in some of my lectures, like eggplants fighting is just not sexy no. where you, you know, silverbacks have like the V taper and all that. So um that is like something guys are drawn to. And so when they go to the summit, they're in the room. And and what that means to be in the room is basically when guys feel isolated and they feel alone and they feel like they're just very different, they enter this room and they're with people that are like-minded, that are on the same mission, that are wondering the same exact things that they are. But it basically upgrades their life by being around these higher testosterone men who are successful and driven because that is the culture that they want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So the guys who are speaking, we also talk about a lot of sensitive stuff that guys shy away from like body mm -hmm. dysmorphia and erectile dysfunction and steroids and stuff that they want to know all about, but maybe are too afraid to ask, or they're just reading Reddit or different forums all day. Now you're hearing it from physicians who have previous PED use and talk about it. People who have dealt with body dysmorphia and talk about it. You hear the truth from people like Bedros and Jay Ferrugia who struggled from childhood and, and how it's not all rainbows, unicorn farts and roses by being successful and an entrepreneur. Like this is the battles that they deal with every day, the mental health stuff they deal with every day. Like you're, you're like seeing the real side of people because I want people to be themselves. And I tell my physicians, I'm like, 
if you wear a blazer and khakis to speak in, I will send you somewhere to change. Like I want you to wear what makes you comfortable. And like one of my docs, Jordan Grant, he's from Texas. He wears cowboy boots, baseball cap. He's got freaking massive arms and veins. And I'm like fitted shirt, please. Awesome. Like he was himself. You don't really find that at a medical conference. Mm -hmm. So it allows people to kind of break down the wall and be open about a lot of this discussion. And that's why I do it panel style and debate style and Q&A style to show, hey, this is what everyone else is wondering. I'm going to ask half the questions that you guys have already asked but are not going to ask publicly, which helps break the ice for them to ask a lot of the stuff that they really want to know. And, and it just allows them to not be judged or dismissed. And they basically have everything in one room to address what they should be doing and the things that they need to do to get on that path to being optimal is the only word that comes to mind. And I use it a lot, but literally that's what it is. Like, how can you show up as a man of integrity and you know, authority and whatever role you're playing in your life as a dad, a husband or whatever, to the best of your abilities. I want to share a vulnerability with you and I'm not, I'm not sure where it comes from or if it's even real, but I want to share it with you because I think that other guys who are thinking about your event in some ways will relate to this. When I see stuff that goes on out there for men to become more manly men. A lot of it for me, I'm like, I almost pity the people who go. I know that might sound fucked up. Uh, and that's why I prefaced it. Like when people go to those things that are quasi Navy SEAL camp, I'm not talking <laughs> about like Corico where they go to challenge themselves and the team challenge. And I'm talking about when they go and they like get yelled at by a drill sergeant and broken down and then it's like they come out and they're like I became a man this weekend I'm like no you didn't you didn't yeah. and and I it's hard for me to respect people who go to that stuff and I I I, I want to I want to because I know that those people deserve respect and those people are aiming to better themselves and the people who are running the events I think probably genuinely believe they're doing that for those people. And I think in many cases they do. It's just, I have a hard time seeing how that's a thing. And then when I hear about an event like yours, what's difficult for me is separating. How is this different than that? And I would love for you to share that so that anybody else who's listening, who is thinking the same thing. So I'm just going to go to a room and a bunch of jacked, masculine successful men are going to scream from the stage about why I need to become more jacked masculine and successful. That's, that's what I'm signing up for. I don't need to be berated for two days. No, I'm so, I'm glad you asked that because I have a story with that. So one of our sponsors is a Navy seal and, and he'll be doing a speech, but it's not, it's not like what you had just portrayed. Um, somebody else suggested a Navy SEAL to speak, not the guy speaking. Will, Will Branham, everyone uh, will find out, obviously, like he's a Navy SEAL. He talks about um, some of the disciplines around that, but it's not the yelling and the stuff like that. So someone has suggested a Navy SEAL to speak there, somebody who's quite well-known, stuff like that. And I got on the phone with this guy. 
I know the way he is. He runs a lot of those camps that you're talking about. And I said, what can you talk about from a leadership perspective that is more at, at like ground level? And I said, let me tell you something. This group is not going to respond to the yelling. And he was like, everyone wants to work out with a Navy SEAL. And I said, maybe so, but I don't really think this group does. Hmm. And I'll tell you why. These guys don't need that. They don't need somebody to talk to them that way. They need someone who understands where they are, who has been where they are, who can talk to them at the same level. And I ended up not bringing this guy on as a speaker because I said, if you can't disarm that side and talk about something else, you're just not a good fit. I'm sorry. Like, would he be a big draw and all that stuff? Sure. But it was not right for my group. I am very protective of who I let in and who, you know, people ask all the time if they can speak and, and sometimes they're not a good fit. And I'm like, I'm sorry, because the group that we cultivated especially last year is so uh, like everyone's transparent and authentic, but everybody is themselves and they're not trying to be somebody they're not. Mm -hmm. So these guys aren't trying to be like a better man in the sense of it's, it's something that was created by going through a stressful physical event. If they want to be a better man as a result of coming to silverback, it's because they actually, got the courage through meeting others in their situation to take the steps necessary to take control of their health. And this could be because they were misguided by other practitioners or friends or whomever, and they just got on the wrong track. Or maybe they had done steroids before, shut down their system, couldn't dig their way out of that. These guys, last year, I was like, are these people gonna hang out with each other? Are they just gonna hermit in their room? These guys formed lifelong friendships where they continue to talk to the, mm. this day. Like they stayed up until the wee hours of the night at the hotel playing cards, talking to each other. Like, I'm like, wow, like everyone's really bonding because nobody had, like everyone has an ego, but nobody was holding that ego in front of them to keep people at an arm's distance to be like, check yourself, you know, right. I'm here, I'm there. Everyone's equal. No one's above anybody else. And I think that's why this group works for that type of thing. Well, I think I think when you speak about ego there, I think that there's a lot of value in having ego. You, yeah. Like it, it, al- it allows you to hold space for somebody else because it doesn't damage you to do so because you have the ego of knowing I can handle this. There's, mm-hmm. there's resiliency there. Um, I appreciate you providing that, that clarifying difference because – I think it's I think it's imperative. I think that it's important that people know if they're going to come to an event like yours, they're coming to be to be welcomed. They're coming to be educated. They're coming to be supported. They're not coming to be broken down as if they're going to some fake war, so that they can come right. out feeling like they have uh, a sense of masculinity that they didn't have going in, because now they've been sprayed in the face with a hose. Thank you for asking that, because if that's how my marketing is portraying this it's i need not. to change okay it's it's, it's, it's it's not how your marketing is portraying it it's that there's some overlap in the presenters also being speakers and presenters at those events and so yeah. the perception that potentially 
if they value that, that's what they're going to bring here. I just wanted to give you the platform to, to share that. I, I so appreciate that because that it's definitely not what, what it's about. And in, in fact, too, I help make it even more icebreaking because I involve really uh, inappropriate games and mm-hmm. uh, activities. Like we, we have a sex toy company sponsoring. Uh, throw the and- ring toss on the dildo. Yeah, so you saw that. So no, that, I like, I, was a guess. I went to bachelorette.com and got like all these like weird games <laughs> and I'm like this is going to be fun. And like the prizes were like notebooks that said how to live with an enormous penis. Like, mm. you know, really fun fun stuff. Like the guys got a, a crack out of it, but like um, you know, we have a sex toy company sponsoring cuz I was like, you know what? First of all, my personality is like highly inappropriate and crass. Second of all, like, not that I have this discussion often, but I know it comes up where a lot of guys are interested in things like prostate massage or anal play or also want to know how to broach this discussion with their wives. Mm-hmm. So why don't we involve the one thing that they wonder about, but maybe now that it's mm-hmm. in a place where it's a safe environment and it's, yep. you know, like you can't you can't go in the room without seeing it, like, that's really cool. So. That's- that, that, yeah. that we could open up a whole can of worms and go down that rabbit hole. But what, what, what I, I don't want to, I just wanted to make the statement that uh, one of the things that I find that is interesting to me about just a, a peek into the window of the security of men who I'm around is when, when we are talking about sex, you know, it's men who get uncomfortable that their wife has toys. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you, why does that make you uncomfortable? I don't know. It just does. I'm like, it makes my life much easier. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, I don't know. You were talking about sex toys. So that was something I wanted to throw in there. <laughs> no, I think it, it's, uh, um, maybe, maybe you're not sure how deep to go with this. So. No, it's not that it, it's, it's, that, it's that I, you know, there, I, I, I didn't have anywhere to go with it. I was just making yeah, a yeah. statement. That's why it's, no, it, it, but it's true because they feel like they're being replaced. Yes. When I'm like, no, my, I don't shake like that. I get it. Like we're, we're okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that like guys just assume women don't watch porn. They have, they have like, you know, just this affinity for a dildo and like that replaces them and all that stuff. I mean, I don't think that's true at all. And like this discussion came up this weekend because, um, some, I, I think it was like certain porn is, is, uh, banned in the area of Virginia that we were in or something I couldn't remember. So like I pull up my phone and like, I, I'm like, you know, I go to Pornhub and I'm like, it comes up like right away. And like <laughs> these two guys are like, you have Pornhub on your phone. Well, I'm like, well, it's on the internet. Like, uh, right. you know, you can pull it up and they're like, no, but it's on your like frequently visited. Like, <laughs> thing. and I was like, yo, I research a lot of stuff on there, but yeah, I watch it. Like, and then like one of my girlfriends was like, yeah, I watch it too. And like, they were like shocked that like women watch it. And I'm like, there's a difference between porn addiction and then occasionally watching it, especially if you travel a lot. Like I, I told you, I'm an open book. Like I'll mm-hmm. talk about anything. Um, but understanding like why, why do women like sex toys is going to be part of that discussion because here's a way that you can also please her with the toy during sex and it's not something that's taking over or maybe it's a cock ring and it's providing something for both of you like you know i'm not a sex toy expert by any means Mm -hmm. but these are discussions that i have with people because i find it fascinating Mm -hmm. and i have daddy issues i want to understand like (laughs) 
you know, that that's my default. But like, I, I literally like have research stuff, especially as the conversations surrounding gender and stuff like that have changed. You see a lot of that reflected in the type of porn that is available now and all of that. And I just find all of that very interesting and I'd like to understand it because there are questions I get asked, not necessarily on porn, but on things that you would not usually hear at like the coffee shop, right. you know? Yeah. Or, or, or the golf clubhouse. Correct. Mm -hmm. You know, you can always count on me to make something awkward and innuendo mm -hmm. or just not what you expected at all. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm annoyed that you're coming through Long Island on a time that I'm going to be out of state because I, I, I love that energy. I know. Ali, I'm so upset. Ali, is there anything that I, I could have asked you about that would bring more value to the audience um, that we didn't discuss? No, I think you brought immense value with what you asked. And like, I appreciate your questions so much because it, even though it, the content is kind of the similar stuff that I like to talk about, mm -hmm. you ask everything in a way that brought out different sides of it. And I appreciate that. It's not like, why is men's test low? It was more deeper questions about that. And I appreciate that because I think people want to know that stuff too. Mm -hmm. So you're like the voice of the people, which I like. Thank you. That's what we'll just, uh, Sean, the voice of the people, Pestuch, that's what we'll have to go with. Yeah. I want royalties though. Deal. Uh, Ali, thank you for coming on the podcast. We'll put in the show notes where people can find you. Uh, and if you want to send me a link to the event, we'll make sure that that gets shared down there too so that people can check it out and decide if they'd like to come. Perfect. Yeah. I hope you guys do decide to come because it. I do throw one fucking good party. I so. have no doubt that if there's anything that you do well, it's throw a party. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Uh, we'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life Rx on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pastuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort, and we hope to help you in your journey. Turn pro.